Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Gooder. Sunglasses are uh, a necessity. It's summer. Nothing kicks off summer quite like the U.S. Open. And we're here this week at uh, Brookline. And one of the things that I made sure to pack was my pair of Gooders. These are great sunglasses. They are polarized lenses. They have golf-specific lenses. They are non-slip. And best of all, they carry a relatively um, reasonable price point. So the nice thing about this is you can mix and match. You can get a bunch of different styles, and uh, they are high-quality sunglasses. You know, the same type of quality you're going to get from an expensive pair, but for an affordable rate. If you use the promo code TFE, you will get 15% off your entire order at Gooder.com. That's G-O-O-D-R.com. And use the promo code TFE at checkout for 15% off your order. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Today's episode, I am joined by No Laying Up's Tron Carter. He makes his long-awaited return to the Friday podcast. Tron and I were in Grand Rapids. Uh, this is film, uh, recorded the morning after our our collaborative event with No Laying Up at the Mines Golf Club. Tron and I sat down to talk about the U.S. Open. So we each came up with, I believe, five things. I think we got five things each and talked really, I mean... At this point, with everything going on in the men's sport, with the Live Golf Tour, the Saudi Golf League, however you prefer to say it, obviously this is a little bit different major championship than most. Um, I think so much of the oxygen and so much of the attention in the golf world is going to be centered around you know, the Live and who's next and what's next for the tour. And, and, uh, obviously it's a, it's a very political, it's kind of like a political chess match out there. Um, so we talked about that as well as other, uh, you know, big storylines at Brookline, a lot about the course and then about some of the big names that are there. So without further ado, here is Tron Carter from No Laying Up. You're going home, going back to Boston. I am. Yeah, going back to Boston. I uh, went up for the media day a couple weeks ago. Uh, there was no leaves on the trees yet, which was jarring. It's been you know mid-90s in Florida for the last two months. Uh, kind of forgot how late the winter and spring creeps into summer up there. But yeah, just, it'll be good to be Just wait back. till Rochester next year. Oh, God. I'm, I'm hoping for absolute carnage. Like, you know. Are you hoping for snow in the practice yeah, round? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Be fantastic. Uh, Andy, have you spent much time in Boston? Just a little. Just a little. I need to I need to explore. I don't think next week's gonna be the week to explore. Um, you know, you you have this like idea, it's like, oh, I'm gonna be a week in Boston and then it's like, well, I got to the media center at seven and then I finished work at like nine. So I think the logistics are gonna be very, very, very challenging for them. There's only like three ways to get on and off property. 
the parking is out at Boston College. Like, I think I'm going to take the the T. I'm going to take the Metro. I heard, um, I heard that like Boston at at one point knew that they needed to fix all their roads and make them make them make more sense. Like the first time I went to Boston, I was trying to get to Brookline and. I was driving in a circle for literally 25 minutes and it was driving me n- insane. I couldn't figure it out. It gets and, weird back behind Fenway and yes. Kenmore and everything. It, it, like there's a there's a stream back there and Yes, it, that's exactly yeah. the area and I just like kept going in this circle. And it's funny I was telling somebody about it and they're like, "Oh yeah, you know the the city knew back in the day that they needed to fix the roads and they just said, "You know what? Fuck the outsiders." The people that live here know how to get around, and we aren't going to make it easier for other people. And I think that's like the perfect sentiment of Boston. It's our it's our most uh, European American city. It's it's super European. It's a great place to live. It's a great place to to walk. Like it's a it's a walking city. Uh, and then they did try to fix the roads a little bit when they did the big dig. And they spent like you know twenty five billion dollars on that which doesn't seem like as much money now but at the time it was just remarkable it's uh it's a uh, it's a really cool city i'm excited to be there even you know i i need to make some time to get away what are you looking forward to uh at this year's u.s open gosh i think first thing first i'm looking forward to lady J potentially returning to uh fenway to the line drive seats <laughs> justine Justine and Patrick, are, are the Red Sox in town? They are. The a, they're playing the A's, I think, and then uh, I don't know who who's in town on the weekend. But yeah, they're, they're it's like a six or seven game homestand. That's and then uh, and, and then, then the they got the Celtics. <laughs> you know, maybe they, maybe they get courtside seats and they get mad because you know a, a player could crash into them. You yeah, know? A sweaty player yeah. crashes into them. Uh, I mean, yeah. this is a big week for 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 Justine and and Team Reed. Yeah, they're they're making the move to live. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit worried for her safety if she starts chirping at, you know, Norman or MBS for setup stuff or draw stuff. But I guess it's a shotgun start, so there's no there's no good draw or bad draw, right? Pins though. Pay well pins, and then like if you know, I guess the first round, like it's kind of luck of the draw if you're if you're teeing off on one or. 10 or 15 right yeah that's an interesting thing about live right it's like the the shotgun start works in a way that everybody's playing but there are different stretches of the golf course that are harder or easier yeah. than other ones and it doesn't like they need to figure out how to like account for that the fact that somebody can come from like one or two groups back but they're te- like they're starting on two or three and they have to go and finish on one or two and they're potentially going to win the golf tournament is is it, it's insane to me. And they send those things out to pick them up and drive them back. <laughs> the ten, the London taxis. So so Lady J is your number one. The uh, the first I would say the thing I'm one of the things I'm thinking about is like what if Pat Reed or a live player wins? Yeah, I'm kind of rooting for it to be honest. Like in a, in a perverse sick way. Like I'm you know obviously way way out on on live and i think it's terrible for our game but like man like chaos theory like let's just make it completely nuts yeah like what it what is the response like is that is there is it less celebrated if like what if dj or or phil you know when you talk about like 
I mean, Phil's not going to win. Like, yeah, he's not. <laughs> terrible golf course for him. Well, the thing is, we didn't. Nobody expected him to win at Kiowa or 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 the British Open. Yeah. Um, the thing about it is, like, one of with like DJ and Reed, or you know, one of their bigger players. The tour, and obviously this is a USGA championship, but the tour has poured so much money into promoting these guys. I mean, golf is a superstar-driven game. The tour, I think, like somewhat understands that, but like they do understand it in the way they promote these guys, yeah. right? And like DJ, a lot of their like their their play has earned them, you know, the superstardom, but. The tour also like promotes and like creates stars yeah. somewhat with like their social media, their, you know, their commercials, all that. This will, might be the first major where we have a winner and you hear like crickets from the PGA tour. Well, what about, yeah, they'll probably be tweeting about, you know, FedEx cup standings afterwards or whatever. And yeah, Scotty's still number one in the FedEx cup or, or uh, I think that plus, if guys like if somebody knocks off two in a row, it'd be it'd be awesome. And like they're 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 leading the FedEx Cup technically, but they're not a PGA Tour member. Scotty might be so far in front that it that's true. Nobody could be. Well, I mean, that yeah. Torres was that last year. Yeah, He's, yeah, he was what thirteenth of the FedEx Cup, but not yeah. listed, not eligible. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, anybody that hasn't gone yet that, that you're anticipating, you're just shocked they haven't gone yet. Yeah, I I mean number one for me, and I meant to write this in like one of our like little roundtables or something. Like I I'm utterly, I I don't understand how he hasn't gone yet. Is Rory Sabatini <laughs> to me? I tweeted the same thing the other day. It it, it blows my mind. Like of all the people, <laughs> and I, I it it you know it, what part of me thinks like Slugger has dealt with everybody. You know, and maybe he's advising them and be like, listen, you guys get anybody I can handle. I can handle P, P- Reed. I can I, handle I can't Justine. do Sabo. I can't do Sabatini. He yells at volunteers. <laughs> you know, that that to me, this is a man that switched his, his citizenship. Maybe you know? they haven't met his number like Kokrak, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> Kokrak's holding out for more because they haven't met his number. Kokrak's betting on himself. I don't understand what's going on with Kokrak and the Golf Saudi logo. I just don't understand what's going on with Kokrak in general. But yeah, he's just a Northeast Ohio boy, <laughs> just you know, trying trying to get paid. What uh, about you? I'm shocked that yeah, I mean Sabatini, but like as far as top shelf players, no offense to Rory, uh, he's low Rory a lot of weeks. Team Team Rose, uh, although I. I from everything I'm hearing, it sounds like Team Rose is probably going this week, and Paul Casey. Yeah, was because I had heard Paul Casey was like actively recruiting yeah. at Riviera. Yeah, and it sounds like Cantlay, like like Cantlay, sounds like the most miserable guy to have in all the pack meetings because he thinks he's he thinks everybody's, you know, coming out to see him and they're worth, you know, five six x what they're making right now, and so he's been just vociferous in all the pack meetings, just insufferable like you know getting on jay about all this stuff and it's like yo man like i think you're part of the problem like you're not you're not one of these guys like rory or spieth or rom or jt who like people are coming out to to watch and like you're not driving ratings i think he's got the right attitude though yeah oh i mean i think 
I think Monahan should lose his job personally. Yeah. I mean, he's he uh they seem to have underestimated this thing um from the start yeah. and it seems like they actually are still underestimating yeah, it somehow. And um it 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 doesn't seem it's not going to go away anytime soon. These guys have four-year contracts. Well. That brings me to my second thing that I'm excited for. Mike Wan's presser. I think it's on Wednesday. Uh, you know, it's it's time for like some people in golf leadership to get step up to the plate and like have a press conference. Jay Monahan's had two press conferences this whole year. He's like he's invisible. Like the 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 house is on fire and he is just you know nowhere to be found. You should go on CNBC again. <laughs> the markets are taking a dump right now too. Uh, he's just you know it's like I I think I'm excited for Mike Wan to answer questions and. About their, you know, because they they came out this past week and said, "Hey, we're not banning these guys at least for this event." And I'm sure they'll do some wonky shit with the OWGR. That that's the thing I I think is like the opens are in this position where they, in their name, it's open. You can't really discriminate against someone based on what tour they're playing. Yeah, and like you can't be like, hey. You know, you're you're supposed to have a five year exemption because you want a major, but you that's not good anymore. And then the OWGR is kind of in the same position because, like, if you compromise your ranking, your official world anything. golf rankings, then are you the official world golf rankings? Like, some would say they're already compromised <laughs> with they, the manipulation and the. They might be getting rid of that with the with the, yeah. the the devaluing, but it also feels like they're kind of trying to game against the Asian tour, which is like, I think the Asian tour has like, you know, outside of live and has the most to gain from all of this because they could become the the minor leagues of live, yeah, you know, and and then the European tour could just your guy Pelly needs to. Needs to do something drastic, I think. It might, yeah, he might, along with Jay Monahan, need to exit, you know, stage left, just quietly. You know, the, uh, just leave his glasses. And, and Yeah, if the majors, like, decide to self-diminish, it, it kind of feels like a waste, right? Especially, like, the Masters, because well, it's already a limited field. Seven of the last 13. And if you're the Masters, why do you want to pick the fight with, with Saudi Arabia at this point? Yeah, and like the Masters historically, like they've taken pleasure in like dunking on the tour, and like treating the tour like the little brother. And now they they seem like they're tight and they're close and everything, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. So yeah. and like I don't know, the tour is in such a tenuous spot, and that's before we even get to the like them potentially losing lawsuits and and like even when these lawsuits are going, there's going to be temporary injunctions. I'm sure that like allow guys to play both tours. Well, that's the thing. They have a if you do the um, if they follow the guidelines of it. Yeah, there's a 28 day waiting period for an appeal, and during that period, apparently, so if somebody gets suspended, they can appeal. They have 14 days to appeal, and then like so, like Ian Poulter, who didn't resign, and and the way they they you know the language of that memo that Monahan sent out. If you resigned, it doesn't seem like you're going to be suspended because it said it had like language that effectively addressed the players that didn't resign. Mm -hmm. And then it said, we, we've recognized the resignations. Um, and, and so the players that didn't resign, have, they can appeal and then they can play. During the appeal. During the yeah. appeal. Yeah. So I could see Bryson, you know, 
Because he didn't resign, I don't think. But he got dropped by, by Rocket Mortgage, yeah. Cooking Loans. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Tiger's got to just be so pissed. Like, Tiger, you know, turned down, what, close to a billion dollars, I guess, from him. And, and Well, like, I kind of think Tiger needs to be, like, the commissioner. Possibly, yeah. Maybe, maybe Steiny's the commissioner. They need somebody that, and this is where the Patrick Cantlay discussion, they need somebody that thinks about this as the way a superstar would think about it, right? Because yeah. that's what the war is over. I think Liv understands like... It's Peter Malnati versus, yeah. versus Rory, whether Rory wants to admit that or not. And Liv, I think like they, they probably know that they only need like 10 superstars. And before anybody is like, oh, Phil's not a superstar anymore, he finished second in the pip. And yeah. that's kind of what matters more than results on the golf course, right? It is like who a fan recognizes. And, and that's what golf has been about for years. I mean, there's people that work, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day that was, they're like a, you know, head pro at a, at a golf club around here in Michigan. They had no idea what any of this was about. They're like, yeah, what's going on with this, with this Saudi league or whatever? Like, is Phil really going? And like, that's, that's somebody in the golf thing. Like my dad texts me. He's like, yeah, like what? What are the Saudis doing? Like, I haven't really followed any of this, but this is crazy, right? And it's like, I think, I think we all, we tend to overestimate how, uh, how, like, engaged people are in the business of golf. It's like, no, they care about the four majors, and they might watch the players too. And and you know, Phil's going to tee it up, Tiger's going to tee it up, and the rest is kind of window dressing, right? And here we're 15 minutes in. I think this is like the big story of the week, though, <clears throat> is. Even major championships, this this is such a big story yeah. in the sport that it is it, it, that it's the story of the major, which is which is wild. Like I'm interested to see, you know, obviously Phil's presser on Monday morning, but also like the thing that's going to happen is like if these two live guys play a practice round with this guy that's not a live guy, obviously people like, are going to read into that immediately. There's going to be speculation is so-and-so going to live like if rom plays with you know somebody that's pablo larathabal because <laughs> maybe they're friends or puig yeah i don't think puig's in the field but you know i mean and that's the, that's the that's what we got so i'm moving to more interesting things um the course i think is going to be obviously any u.s open course is like kind of storyline 1a or 1b are you are you worried that the that the USGA is going to keep doing this touchy feely, warm and fuzzy, let's be nice to the players approach? Or I, you know, Garrett always talks about this, and and Garrett I think does a good way of a good job. Like he 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 listen he he reads the history and everything. He just did that open doctor. Yeah, that's great. And um, you know, I think he he kind of compartmentalizes it. We have like waves of of essentially set up people and we're in the Bodenhammer era. Like, right. It was, we were, we just came out of the Mike Davis era, you know, and now we're in the Bodenhammer era yeah. and it's just a, it's a unique era and setup, and it's a very friendly one. And I, I kind of think it's, it's a, it's gone back to thick, rough, um, wider think, fairways, but thick, rough off those wider fairways. Yeah. And, and, and really thick, rough around the greens. Yeah. You know, no more short grass. It's like a reaction. I do think there's, there's going to be some spots here this week with some short grass. 
you know, around because the greens are tiny, tiny. Yeah. It's, I mean, it'll be interesting. Like the thing I, I don't like, I always like, if you want to test people, like why, why do they have thick rough on the backs of greens? Like, if you go over the green at a U.S. Open, like it should roll like sixty yards. It's, it, away it's Velcro it be, to yeah, me. Like yeah. it almost like it it pads it right. Like I think like the thing that it's like a bumper in in bowling. You know, you're, you're gonna just get get bumped back into the the uh, lane. I would love like a this a move away. Like the U.S. Open to me always feels really uniform. It's like we're gonna have like what when they had the you know intermediate rough. It's like we're going to have seven yards of that on every fairway, every hole, and then it goes through this. It's like, why can't we just like set up a golf course and be like, you know, the right rough over here, we're just going to have pretty yeah. short, but it's a terrible angle. Like that's a that's yeah. a great, like you don't want to be over there. Yeah. So, you know. And the left rough over here is really long. It doesn't need to be the same length yeah. on both sides. It You know, we could have short rough over the green and long rough short left of the green i feel the same way about bunkers like that was something in australia we went down there like they you know you miss right of the screen there's plenty of sand in that bunker you miss left of the screen there's no sand and you're completely fucked like it's that's a very like there there should be varying degrees of, of penalty yeah and then it also it it lends itself to like the person that's most prepared yeah and the the team their like the caddy and, and the and the player that no certain spots all of a sudden like it's not when it's just thick rough it's really my issue with it it, it just dumbs it down and it a lot of it can be attributed to luck yeah you know it's just like i got good lies well and it's like the way that the way that you know everything works these days too is like these guys are so long and straight so it just favors the bigger hitters that much more because they're they're hitting a you know, a 54 degree wedge out of it versus somebody like, you know, Sabatini's hitting a, a seven iron out of it. You know, like that's a massive, that's a massive, uh, you know, especially with like, I, I anticipate like the greens are going to be super firm. It's been a really Seems nice like the weather has been great. really nice weather uh, lead up here. There's a ton of slope. The fairways are rockets out there too. Yeah. Um, if assuming they get the weather to cooperate, I mean, the ball bounces and there's some contour in them yeah. that make a lot of those fairways play like they feel they can look kind of wide, but effectively they play really small because of they run a lot and then it, they just have some contour in them where if you hit the wrong side of something, it, it just will shoot some direction. But, you know, that that's the thing I, I uh, they're speaking to your like irregular regularities thing. We play we have an event at Soul Park every year. And the eighth hole there, there's this, yeah. have you, you've been yeah, there. Yeah. There's this de devastatingly deep bunker left of the green, but it also has like, it has so much. You feel like you're in like a sand quarry when you go into it. You feel it. like you're like, on the beach. Yeah. There's so much sand in it, but like, you know, under no circumstances yeah. can you miss in that bunker. And I think that's really cool. And then that affects your strategy for the entire hole where exactly. you're like, you're playing away from it. And then you basically get you get worried about getting your hand caught in the cookie jar. Yes. Right. And, and I think there's, there's something to be said for that where you start playing away from it. And then there's so much that goes into, you know, whole locations of, you know, in, in kind of response to that. And yeah, I think it's, you know, I just hope like they don't 
because that was, that was my concern at like Wingfoot or I thought Tori was good last year. Like the setup was was fine. Like, but trying to get like get the the greens bouncy from the very start. Like the whole ramp up Thursday, Friday, and I know some of it's pace of play, and you got to get however many guys through you know the first thirty six holes or whatever. But like, I just I think it's been a little bit too toothless the last couple opens on Thursday, Friday. Yeah, and I think like. <sighs> The USGA doesn't want this identity because they hate the player backlash. And I think social media fuels this where the players have their own platform to go. You know, we saw it with uh, with uh, General Patton Kazire at, <laughs> at, at the PGA. And, and, you know, Hatton's complained at both majors this year. But some of these guys are going to complain yeah. any which way. So you might as well do your what identity. You want. Part of your identity is the players aren't on the PGA Tour this week. Yeah. They're coming, and the USGA is kind of the U.S. Open is the place where players have to kind of like part of the challenge is is dealing with the emotions of feeling like you're getting screwed over. Yeah, and having some anima like I like it's the a idea. Mental examination. Yes, I like the idea of a course that gets a little under. And, and I think Brookline could do that because of it's really hard. That there's place so is much, so there's so hard. much cool quirk too. Yeah. Like I was talking, I was talking to Caddy last night about it, and I was like, dude, like it kind of reminds me of Burkdale a little bit. And then like there's there's a lot of up and down. There's a lot of you know movement up the hills. Like 14, that par five, <laughs> it might be the only par five in the world that matters anymore. Like it's, I think both the par fives it's are like really what, cool. like 660 up the hill, and it like even if you're laying up, you have to hit like a 200. 30 yard shot up to this tabletop area and then you miss the green like like short and it's rolling back down the hill like 80 yards yeah that that 14th hole is um i mean i think like pebble 14 is another good par five yeah and in for u.s open golf but this one is like pebble 14 i feel like on kind of steroids like bigger green but but much much more like severe upslope yeah all the way up to it effectively if you don't hit the fairway there you're laying up short of this rock cliff where you won't be able to see anything and you have like 210 into into green with like a shinnecock style like you know false front on there yeah and and yeah and you won't be able to see there's a tree and yeah the both both par fives are going to be really fun to watch i think that's the other thing is like there's some just truly great holes out there, like three, four on the fr- really two, two through six is going to be an amazing stretch of golf to watch. Um, and that to me is is probably the coolest part of the whole course. Um, and I'm I'm I think the par threes in general are really one of the strongest as- yeah. aspects of the golf course. But then you know ten obviously is a truly it's a converted par five into a par four um that green is insane there's That's just it's so quintessentially new england yeah. where you're driving over these these exposed rock outcroppings to kind of a blind area you know over this little hill but you can bail out down the left but then your angle sucks into the green like there's i mean there's so many guys that are going to be defeated before before like the first nine's even over because they can't handle the blind shots and you know some of the cork the place yeah that's the thing it's like it's one of my favorite tee shots is the 12th tee shot out there and it's just like it's blind that it is not a typical u.s open course and 
none of these guys outside of the guys that played the USAM have really seen it, which I think is one of the cool things about this year with Southern Hills being basically a new course here being, you know, you get like some, it's not going to pebble where they see every year or Tory. Like that's one of the things that diminishes. I think the majors at, at when they have them at pebble or Tory is like stock or we see it every year, you know, and it's obviously not the same type of thing, but this one we haven't seen. And most golf fans, I mean, I remember the Ryder cup barely most golf fans, like even, have never seen this course. Even the Ryder Cup, like that seventeenth hole, that green is unrecognizable. Yeah, they've they've brought that thing back out so much. There's so there's some really really cool pins there. Like that's such a cool hole, mm-hmm. great driving hole. That closing stretch is great. Like the you know fourteen through fourteen through seventeen and fourteen through eighteen are just fantastic. I mean eighteen green is. <laughs> it's like it's, there's not that many pinnable spots there. It's gonna be so neat to watch that chips if they do that front pin because they they've recaptured the front and it's all unpinnable space but you it's a really cool like you might see some really neat chips that roll up the hill come back and like potentially in yeah like it, it that hole yields some can yield some pretty creative recovery and then yeah 16 everybody will shit on 16 compared to the other par threes um 16 is cool, like super understated back in that little corner. And the yeah. green is awesome. The green, that's, it's, it might be the best green on the golf course. I, the back half, they use a back pin there. It's a long par three. The back half runs away on that green. And if you land it like middle to back, it's just shooting off. It might jump out uh, like all the way out yeah. of the property. Um, yeah, I thought I aced it when we were playing the media day. I was off the back of the green and like landed at pin high. Yeah. And just shot forward. Now for a quick word from our sponsor, the USGA. As you would know, if you've been listening to this podcast, the US Open is this week. And uh, I've got great news for you. From June 16th through the 19th, there will be wall-to-wall coverage of golf on USOpen.com, NBC, USA, and Peacock. This year, for the 122nd US Open, at the Country Club at Brookline, 9,265 players entered and only 156 qualified. Um, and obviously, one will win. This is this is a great championship. So tune in on NBC, USA, and Peacock, as well as USOpen.com. And uh, I think we're everything's shaping up for a great championship. So now back to Tron Carter. So it's a it's it's a neat golf course. I think like. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see what the public thinks because I think it's got enough visuals and eye candy to so it, like I think one of the things that happens is at like a Wingfoot or Wingfoot like if you if you know what you're looking at like the greens are so cool but if you don't it's flat it does not have a lot like, of dog legs yeah and yeah. you don't have like that like beautiful but I think. There's so the much more. There's so much visuals. more elevation, yeah, and there's so much more context and like texture there. I think where, but that comes back to, is NBC going to do it justice? Like, yeah. like, like some of my favorite shots of the U.S. Open are like the wide two or three hole pans. Like they do a really good job of this at Oakmont, right? Of like you see, you see several holes in the same shot, and you see like truly how how you know dramatic some of these elevation changes are. And Fox got really good at doing that towards the end of their run 
And I, I'm fearful that because I think NBC has a tendency to just use like a bunch of tower cams that tend to look down on everything, and like wash out any yeah. sort of, you know, intrigue or any sort of like, you know, severe elevation changes. It makes everything look flat. So because I mean, like 15 is a great example as well, like tee off down that hill yeah. over the road and then great green there as well. And it, like it feels quintessentially New England. You got to go through like from 14 green to 15 tee. You have to go through somebody's backyard. He's like <laughs> leasing them like the land this week to, you know, basically avoid the crowds, uh, you know, back around that tee box. It's it's going to be like quirky and cool back in that little corner. Yeah, I think one thing that I think uh, I thought they did a really good job at the women's U.S. Open um, with those the drone the shots, drone were, shots awesome. were extraordinary, like next level stuff that I haven't really seen. And I'm hoping a lot of that carries over yeah. to this week um, because that that visual experience was really good. Um, we haven't talked about the shorty little part three yet. I'm excited. What are your thoughts? I think it's great. I mean, it's it's just a little drop shot um especially if there's a front pin there it's gonna be wild yeah yeah it's uh that's the thing it's a it's one of those shots that feels really easy until you miss it yeah and then when you miss it you got scar tissue (laughs) yeah and i i I, in the media day i played i was playing pretty pretty decent i was hitting the ball well and i hit i thought a really good shot there i ended up just short i ended up walking away with a six like it's really really treacherous if you miss the green in the wrong spot and it's easy to do when you get that wedge let's talk about some of the players um i think one of my big big storylines is uh can somebody get two majors in a year we'll see i mean like we we're set up for we got two guys that like doesn't yeah. matter where they where they play that won the first two yeah you know scotty and jt obviously i think you you put them in the both of them as like the yeah. You know, one of the favorites. I think, you know, it'd be great. I think if if somebody won two majors this year, um, and because we 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 have so many guys with one major, you know, and so many and and JT obviously getting to three majors would be huge for. He's at the point now with two majors, like every major he adds, he's moving up in the echelon of yeah. of great players like dramatically, yeah. right? Um, and for Scotty, like you're talking about number one player in the world, having a historic year, he gets a second major. Now all of a sudden you're talking about like one of the greatest seasons ever, right? Yeah. In the modern era, you know, he's, he'd be at six wins, two majors, like just there. And then he's got, still got a, a lot of tournaments left. Um, so that's kind of one of the things I'm watching is, uh, with these guys and, and, and you, you talked about it earlier, like what if a live guy rattles off the next two, you know? the like both it's like simultaneously awful and hilarious you know uh especially with st andrews next yeah too i mean it's you know it's gonna be i think it's two courses that encourage guys to play a little bit creatively Mm -hmm. um so i i don't know i still like i think there's i think there's something to be said for being in the fairway hitting a bunch of greens it kind of reminds me of like the marion u.s open where justin rose won but like Billy Horschel hit like all 18 greens one of the rounds. Like I, I think Horschel sets up really well. I think like a guy like Fleetwood, like he's not the longest guy in the world, but as long as the putter stays hot, like Fleetwood just just really good iron play. You know, distance control. Uh, it it feels kind of like a Spieth-y golf course to That's me too. One of the things with the yeah, especially the way Spieth's driving it, <clears throat> it's going to be really hard. And and there. 
to me, like because of how much contour is in the greens, I didn't think about this, but like it might actually favor a guy like Fleetwood, who's not the best putter. But you know, a lot of times that you're 25 feet, though, you're kind of like you lag, lagging exactly. Putts. Like yeah. you, you, you've got <clears throat> like I, I had a two great shots on 10. I was couldn't have hit two better shots. And I was like 20 feet away and I'm hitting a putt and I'm like, it was like an auto three putt. <laughs> yeah, I was legitimately like, where, where do I need to hit this so that I have like a four footer yeah. to make par and walk away from here. And I think a lot of those greens because of that old school, like it's not <clears throat> Wingfoot has sections yeah. and you get into those sections and they're kind of flat. I don't feel like, I feel like, the country club just has a lot of slope all over the yeah. place and it blends into like yeah. the sections blend into one another <clears throat> and part of that like they're really cool greens but they don't look really cool from a photograph because it's just like kind of like a continuous yeah. slope with like pockets of different and they're framed by so much rough around them uh-huh so the greens don't like pop visually but they are very cool greens and they they're like treacherous in a different way than the masters or a wing foot or, you know, even a Southern Hills where you could see these yeah. distinct sections. Um, so when you're 25 feet away, you might be lagging. Yeah. And you think like Shinnecock in a way had some of that too. You know, it's not like you think about Shinnecock screens and they're, you know, Flynn did a lot of work here and Flynn did a lot of work at Shinnecock and that's Flynn golf courses. And I think the country club fits this is like, <clears throat> you're hitting from these really terrible lies like or just really weird lies to greens that are like heavily contoured in one direction and it becomes about being hit, on the keep, r- proper side yeah. of the fairway or and that's really difficult when the lies aren't perfect yeah well and it, it's it basically makes you know like it's like the smart golf fans of like clapping for a shot that hits the middle of the green this week it's like like on some of these holes like if you're coming out of the rough and you're hitting the green like more power to you like like kudos because that's gonna be so that's why like i love you know i'm, I'm not sure cam smith is like I, I don't think he's gonna drive it well enough and i think he you know he likes short grass and i think some of his flair and imagination around the greens is gonna be a little bit neutered by like just gouging out of of, of thick rough around greens but like a guy like shane lowry i think yeah. is another one like guys that maybe it's just you know european you know irish british guys that kind of can can you know play with some imagination and some creativity um shane lowry is just a great hard golf course player yeah right um it cam smith to me it's gonna get lost but like that finish at at southern hills he led the led the field t to green and he he was abysmal with the putter yeah like that was a major that i'm i'm guessing like he probably thinks about as like i hit the ball that's got to be one of the most frustrating things is when you hit the ball well enough, you're one of the greatest putters in the, on, and it just goes cold. Tour. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, that, you know, and he played obviously really well, like this year to me, like that, that T 12th at Southern Hills was a really good T 12. Um, and obviously the masters, he was the only one that had really a chance yeah. to win other than Scotty. I think another guy that like going back to our conversation about, this kind of neutralizing the putting or almost freeing a guy up a little bit. Uh, Big Tone. Big Tone's playing well. Trending. He's so good off the tee. Like, he can hit that, you know, bunty three-wood down there, like 310. And it just, 
good iron player and lag like lagging putts around and making a bunch of pars and then picking off you know a couple birdies here and there it's just you know keep an eye out for big tone yeah yeah i mean and that's the thing it's like you you might not have to putt great this week yeah i like i think max is like just good iron like i'm looking at good iron players who are pretty straight off the tee and resilient like mentally like because like i mean uh ted scott posted a, a video of it this morning the fairway on nine like you know that's that's one of the hesitations i had with billy horschel it's like you know if, if he gets completely like he rolling down the hill on 14 or ever or nine like on nine like you can hit it down even the left side of the fairway and the ball goes into into the lake on the right it's a, yeah i i mean it brings me to rory and spieth right those are two guys that i don't know if rory can just keep it together i just don't trust him yeah like i mean speed but spieth i feel like it's like i felt speed out at colonial and it's just it's exhaust like i don't know how he gets through day-to-day life because it's so like between the pre-shot routine and then the just the missed shorties but then he'll make a 30 footer like it's a it's a really exhausting way to play golf. I think that's why people like him so much. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, it, I mean, he's just not a good putter right now. No. He's hitting the ball the best he's ever hit in his career. But he's kind of got the Morikawa thing going, where like, or like the Zalatoris thing, where like he's not a good putter from, you know, four to ten feet, but he's like, he's still like, he's still making a bunch of putts from like 25 feet. It's yeah. It's like it's like the irrational confidence. This is Al Torres thing too. NBA, you know, it's it's like it's like a J.R. Smith kind of thing where he's like irrationally confident. And he's pulling up from everywhere, and it's like somebody's got to heat check him. But I think he can get on one of those runs and just string him together. But I, I also think there's less. This is a good major for him because there's less emphasis on making a bunch of birdies. He's just trying to stack up pars and pick off a birdie here and there. Like if you shoot. 68 or 69 that's great you don't have to go out and shoot 65 or 66 yeah you know it's uh i mean you start to look at the players you brought up morikawa it's kind of been a down year for him hovland like the guys that everybody was talking about john rom yeah all the you know rom obviously won in mexico but that was like a group of salinas the field was abysmal and it wasn't really like it wasn't one of the like that was one of those like oh if if good players were in this field that would have been a t10 yeah Yeah. um or a t4 but the thing about it's been kind of a down year i i actually like wonder if the live stuff's been like a distraction because those are like the pre that going into the year premier guys and now we've got like kind of cam smith has become a premier guy yeah and Scotty Scheffler's become a premier guy who wasn't thought of at the beginning of the year. And I wonder, could like the live distraction actually be, you know, a real thing? Because yeah. you, you see it with other sports like trade rumors and, and like having to make these big like it, it weighs on guys and some guys don't handle it well. And I wonder, like you're, these are young players that maybe aren't dealing well with like having to make these big decisions. It's like the it's like the NBA free agency or NBA trade deadline. It's like Woj bombs and, and you know, what's Shams reporting, right? Uh, I think something else, I'm, I'm looking forward to them uh, to see what they do with the pairings. Because it's, you know, going back to what we were saying about practice rounds They or like whatnot, to get dicey too. They like to do some cheeky shit. 
right? Like, I remember when they did the fat pairing a few years ago? Burly boys. <laughs> that was outrageous. I mean, it would be amazing if they put Rory with Phil. Yeah. yeah. Or JT with Phil. Yeah. Like, 100%. you know, guys that have just, like, just, like, demolished Phil. And they put him with them. Like, it would be pretty, pretty mean-spirited. But, hey, I just thought of a name. <clears throat> Hideki. Is he hurt? I don't know. How long ago does it feel like that Hideki hit that three wood at at Sony? I mean, that feels like it was four years ago. That's true. <laughs> it's like less than five months ago. And that's like the thing is like you talk about a guy that doesn't that's really accurate, T to green, great iron player, a little bit bulky putter. Maybe this is a spot for Sungjae, same thing. I mean <clears throat> That's, I think, one of the footholds of, of this live. They obviously have the Asian tour. Yeah. But if they pick off some of the like the big names of Asia. Yeah. Takumi Kanaya, things of that like, nature. Yeah. Like, you know, what, what? You know, if Hideki, the tour then loses kind of a lot of its global presence. Hideki yeah. might be the biggest name that nobody's talking the about. The Zozo or the CJ Cup becomes a hell of a lot less valuable. Yeah, because you know? like you don't have the big name players, right? And yeah. that's like it's it's in I it, I it's hard to do these this pod right now and talk about like the player analysis without yeah. that being the second part of it, right? It's like how is this guy going to compete out here? But you know, also this. What's your winning score? I I kind of feel like they've we've gotten into like the six to ten range. That's exactly where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what, like I've heard though, from numerous people and having played out there that this is like legitimately the hardest with Shinnecock, the hardest golf course. Yeah. So if it, if we're going to get an even par tournament, it's this, it's something it's, like this, this is a place like, like Shin Shinnecock that will get it. It just really depends on like how, how much they want to push it. I think if they push it and put it close to the edge. It will be that type of a of, of, of a test like that. That'll be the type of you know score that you'll get. I'm gonna check my weather app to see what we're gonna get. As what? Far as what yeah, you've got you've got the Primo weather app. Windy. You're a big weather guy. Windy, huge weather guy. Um, but yeah, like while so all right, while I'm looking that up, what? How many things like? What are your five things? I think we which, hit on which ones have we covered? We've got we got live. We got the course. Uh, can somebody get two in a year? And then I had Rory and Spieth. And I think just the young guys, like, I think there are a lot of guys, and this is almost like a storyline because of the way golf is. And we, we've, I've talked about it before. Um, but like, we have a lot of young guys that are really highly ranked that have never done shit in a major. Yes. Like Hovland's one of them. Patrick Cantlay is the ultimate case here. He's number, he's number three in the world. Empty calories, man. And you start to go down the list and it's like Sam Burns. Obviously, like it's hard because there's these guys are having such success so young. And it's like they have such a small sample size. But, you know, another guy that has hasn't really done much in a major in a while, Xander. You know, he's up there high in the rankings. What's Bill, Xander been doing lately? Yeah. Even on tour. Like what's his Billy Horschel's one, right? Billy has never done anything. I mean, It'd be great to see Billy outside of Marion, you know, which was a long time ago, play well. I'm kind of back in on Billy. I mean, B Billy's like, 
he's an acquired taste, but he's also it's just better when Billy's involved. Like it's he's just such an outrageous. Like, he's a content man, a machine. <laughs> it's you know? crazy. He's throwing clubs. He's gonna you know he's gonna be saying oh Billy. He's gonna be he's talking way too much in the post round presser. I'll never forget. I was playing with a tour player, and I asked him like, "Who's who's like when you see the draw come out? Who's your least favorite guy to see in your group?" And he goes, "Oh, without a doubt, Billy. Just never, never shuts up. Shuts up. Yeah. It's just, and and I just can't handle that. Like he he, I think Billy games people without knowing he's gaming people. Is the thing like that's why he should be that on these yesterday. That's why." He should be on these Ryder Cup teams. Is that totally nobody? He doesn't. He's not even intentionally doing it. Like the oh buddy, it's stuff, not malicious. The buddy, the buddy stuff. Hey bud, hey bud, great, great job, bud. I mean, he won, and he said, "Yeah, thanks, buddy." You know, like you kind of sold me on Xander. You know, we'll throw out the Byron Nelson because that was an absolute travesty. But he finished T five there. T13 at Southern Hills, T18 at Memorial. Like he's he's playing good golf. Uh I think he he's one of those guys that like he drives it really well. He, good iron player, can play creatively. You know, maybe it's his time. It would it would internet critics would be, you know, Xander's a Xander's like a hot topic. He's like a it's one of those like how do you he's like a democrat republican it's a, it's kind a divisive of thing. Like, issue. How, how do you feel about xander, xander there's xander no might, middle ground xander might be like gun control or like <laughs> gay marriage or something like that it's just like a wedge issue yeah right it, that is a hot topic in america yeah uh, in american golf is how do you feel about xander Shoffley? i'm on the on the side of like you can't contend in this many majors and not be really a great player yeah. And but then there's like he doesn't he doesn't close things out he wins these small events is the is the backside of it. I think Hovland I'm ready for Hovland to like shit or get off the pot a little bit. This could be actually a great Hovland course because it's neutering the chipping yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah. The thick uh, rough is negating and, and like you talk about Hovland is an extraordinary driver of the golf ball without being extraordinarily long. Yeah, totally. I think. Uh, all right, who do you think freaks out? Like Hatton, is he going to make it three for three on? Because somebody's going to freak out about some of the like some of the pins are going to be outrageous just because there's no other options. Uh, and you know, I think the the fairway on nine going into the in, into the pond, and then a, there's a couple holes where like your ball falls front on uh, your ball's going to uh, roll down on what is it eight? Yeah, false front on eight could do it. Uh, I'm looking at the list here. I mean, we haven't even talked about Kepka. I don't even know what to I don't to know expect. what to do with yeah. Kepka. I never know what to do with Kepka. I would, you know... I'm, I'd love I'm to liking see, JT more and more. I'd love to see a Kevin Na freak out. <laughs> Goes to live. He's, a, he's the head of the Ironheads. <laughs> I'd love to see a Kevin Na freak out. I, I, I always love seeing a Kevin Na freak out. he freaked out at Aaron Hill's. Remember he yeah. did the crawling out of the rough yeah. thing? Thirsty Kevin. That could be my pick. I mean, for a freak out. Who would you <sighs> Bryson could be ripe for one. I don't even think Bryson's engaged enough right now. Or like I don't think his expectations are like to go out and win something like this. You know? Uh I would say 
I think I, I think my money's on Billy or Hatton. Let's just keep that train rolling. Yeah, Billy could. Who's your pick to win? You've been hot. You're you're like a on a on a true heater. Yeah, picking winners just all over the place. You might be uh, the the form golf's foremost you know gambling expert at this point. I even picked picked plays four guys this week, and I uh, you know I picked I picked Lynn Grant for Randy. Lynn Grant's leading on the, in the Scandinavian mixed. Uh, the other guy that we haven't talked about, I think this is a good course for P. Really? Yeah. You know, good driver of the golf ball. Now that he's out out of the PXG stable, <laughs> he's got that Grindworks driver in the bag. Like, what? How is he using a Grindworks driver? The fact that he had a PXG sponsorship without a single PXG club in the bag was remarkable. Um, I, I'm going with Fleetwood. You're taking Fleetwood. Yeah. Tommy. Tommy boy. How about you? Uh, well, I've got Scheffler. Still, I haven't picked him for my one and done league. That's I'm a one and done. All my picks are based around what I've done. I I think uh, I you know obviously all around talent, but I think I mean here's I think there's a lot of chance in this tournament because of just breaks like you know lies. It looks like we're gonna get some wind Thursday, Thursday and Friday, but not a whole lot on the weekend. At least wind, right now. The GFS is. Do you think right the now. wind comes with water on the greens? I hope not. God, I hope that nothing pisses me off more than them throwing water on the greens overnight or, you know, first thing in the morning. You, you might be out there first thing in the morning monitoring. I feel like the Buddhist monk, like lighting myself on fire <laughs> on the green so they don't, they don't, they can't water it. Did you get to five things? I mean, we're. I think we're, I did. I like pairings, uh, Lady J, uh, Ninth Fairway, uh, Mike Wan Presser. And then that was kind of my four things. And then we're, just we're 14. Close there's, yeah. there's, it could be Will Zalatoris again. Yeah. It could be trill time. It's, uh, you know. Where are you, where are you staying? We're in uh, Cambridge. Okay. It's hard to, you know, it was hard to find a house yeah. close by. We're at the Precision Pro house, the house that Rangefinders built <laughs> in Cambridge. Um, it was hard to find something in, in Brookline. It's uh, I think we're in Brookline Village, the Hilton Garden Inn. Fancy. Yeah, I'm a Marriott guy, so it pains me to go stay at a Hilton Garden Inn. But, uh, you know, we should we should meet in North End or something one night for for an Italian, Italian meal. Yeah, some yeah. Break some bread. There's some good places there. Some great great restaurants over in Cambridge and Somerville. That's kind of where all the really good stuff is. I mean, Brenda's returning to Boston. This is a this is a Boston Homecoming Boston of sorts. Boston College. You know. A notorious uh, alum returning to Boston for the you know first time in a while. He's on shaky ground as an alum though, because I know he was a big you know Steve Adazio <laughs> guy. <laughs> you, know, you know, contentious. It could be a contentious return. Exactly. Now, now he's just a he's a he's a Capitol Hill guy. He's down there. You know, Beltway. Yeah, Beltway yeah. golfer. Beltway. Just uh, is he taking the Acela up? Is he taking the train up? I don't think so. I think he's flying. You know, one of the, he might have a kid in a bag. You know, you never know <laughs> what's going to happen. So great airport, I, Boston. I like, I like Logan. It's a good airport. I don't like how far you got to go to get an Uber. Yeah, from the yeah, and then like if you want to take the train, you got to like get on the one train to go over to the other train. That's tough. What I appreciate is the proximity to the town. Exactly. You know, there's nothing worse than. That's like the 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 dark stain on uh on on Denver. 
Ja. Oh. Don't even get me started on Denver. Like delightful. The, the Illuminati needs to get their shit figured out. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, you know, there's, uh, one day we'll 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 chop up airports. I feel like you know, there's uh, there's a lot of takes. You know, there's nowhere worse than Dallas, in my opinion. Dallas is awful. It's it, awful. I mean, Dallas, Charlotte, Miami. Like those are bad airports. They're all they're all American hubs. <sighs> Miami's. Yeah, there's bad. All right. This was great, great catching up. Haven't, haven't had you on the pod in a while. And uh, we'll look for you at Boston and uh, follow all the great stuff you guys are doing at, at No Laying Up. So, Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode was edited by the wonderful Meg Atkins and uh, Garrett Morrison. Thank you, guys. And a uh, quick reminder, we've got a sale in the Fried Egg Pro Shop. It is a automatic 15% off everything except for print photography, and we have a bunch of new items in the shop. We've got some new polos. Uh, we created a really neat, you know, Brookline-themed logo. Uh, it's got the squirrel with, like, a little top hat eating an egg instead of an acorn. So check that out. Uh, We have t-shirts, new polos, a bunch of new gear in the shop. So go give it a gander, and it's 15% off through the weekend uh, in the shop. Everything except for print photography. So thank you for listening. We'll be back on Friday with another episode, and uh, tune into the U.S. Open. It's going to be a great week. Thanks. Thanks.